0: Amen. Thank you very, very much to our musicians and everyone here serving, helping, and attending. Uh, Very, very good. I hope you appreciate the incredible miracle that church in China is. I realize that group, that crowd in a city of 34 million doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, it's an incredible miracle that that church is held together. Those are Chinese people a godless country with a government that is Uh, anti-Christian. I don't believe we have any more missionaries there and the last ones, if we do, are on their way out. Uh, Bart Koiker, the Dutch pastor that was overseeing the works uh, in uh, China, got redirected into the Czech Republic, I believe, out of the Holland Conference last week. So he won't be going back. A Chinese disciple has taken over the main church there Uh, So we need to really be praying for our Chinese brethren. The nation could open again. You never know what God will do, but uh, now it's up to uh, the years of investment that we've made, the fruit that's been born, and the Chinese workers now rising up and uh, uh, getting dominion in their own lives and starting to provide leadership uh, for those churches. So be praying for them. Turn with me to first chronicles as soon as i started thinking about this subject this scripture came to mind all of you would have heard by now about the tragic outcome that is playing out in afghanistan over the last week or so i don't know how it landed with you but it was deeply deeply troubling to me as i began to examine in the news reports and hear what's happening there. We've had a 20-year investment there trying to push back on terrorism. We had a scheduled um, departure uh, that is supposed to happen, that President Trump put in place, uh, uh, but in the process of uh, that, of the pullout, the country was overrun and taken over by the Taliban terrorist group. and it happened in about three or four days. It's a terrifying experience for those that are there. Uh, The Taliban is going door to door. They're killing any Afghans that they can find that supported Americans. I read one report, they're looking at people's phones and if they have Bibles or any Christian uh, uh, things on their telephones, they're killing them. They're kidnapping young girls as young as 12 years old to be sex slaves and right now we have somewhere around 15,000. I've heard up to 40,000. I don't know if that's accurate but the number that you read most we have 15,000 American citizens behind enemy lines. This is an absolute outrage that this has been allowed to happen and take place. These are Uh, American husbands and wives with children they were over there serving in various capacities Uh, we still have 6,000 soldiers there Uh, there are about um, 60,000 Afghans that have visas to come to America these are Afghans that have helped us uh, serve the United States and serve the interests of their country that we would like uh, to get out of there 7,000 Uh, Contractors and American soldiers have been killed in the last 20 years. uh, A little bit more than 7,000 and it's cost two trillion dollars and it all seems to be for naught. uh, And I'm outraged as I read that happening far away. Here we are in America, fat and happy, uh, but it's happening right now to our fellow citizens. Jill Stevenson lost her only son Ben A 21-year-old U.S. Army Ranger when he was shot and killed during a 2009 firefight with Taliban forces in Afghanistan. For her, the militant group's takeover this weekend came as a gut punch. And the tragedy is still playing out. We're going to be reading reports tomorrow. Going forward, it's a tragedy for many thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people. So what is the explanation for this? The explanation that we're hearing, oh, we didn't see this coming. It happened faster than we could have imagined. We didn't realize that the Afghan army that we had supplied was going to not really fight. We weren't able to respond. So the question that I have is why? Why could you not see that something like this could happen? You should have. This current administration was warned over the last several months that if we don't organize this pullout correctly, tragedy can strike. Certainly terrorists are going to take advantage if we allow them to. So why didn't you see this coming? There were plenty of voices warning us. So I use that as, a, as an illustration and an example tonight because it points to a critical need in every one of your lives. We must have discernment. We have to be able to read the landscape when there are crucial decisions that have to be made so that we can navigate the landmines and safeguard our families properly lead and direct the church, uh, provide counsel and advice for people that may not know what to do uh, in this very critical, in this very crucial hour. If we don't have discernment, uh, then things like Afghanistan are going to happen, and that can be a metaphor for the kind of chaos uh, that any one of us can experience in our own lives, in our finances, perhaps in our families, uh, in our situation, in our ministries. The book of Proverbs in chapter 22, verse 3 says, A prudent man foresees evil. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So the subject that I want to minister to you this evening, and I believe it's very important, and I think this altar call is going to be very critical, because if God can give you discernment tonight... It's going to make your week coming up a lot more successful. You may be in the throes of decisions that you have to make, very complex problems that you're facing, uh, and there's confusion and fear and uncertainty. Uh, Discernment uh, gives you the ability to read the landscape uh, so that you can make the correct decision uh, with confidence uh, and without fear. So let's read our text. It has a very important line in it that I'll emphasize when I get to it. It's just three verses, First Chronicles 12. These are the mighty men that are being described in 1 Chronicles 12 that uh, went to David in his hideout. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war. This is verse 23. And they came to David at Hebron to turn over. This isn't the hideout. This is when David occupied the city of Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to David according to the word of the Lord, and then skip down to verse 32, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. It only says that about the sons of Issachar. They had keen insight and discernment, and obviously they were able to influence and lead others that didn't have such keen insight and discernment, but this is a very powerful statement made, and the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Of Zebulun there were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war, with all weapons of war, stout-hearted men who could keep ranks." Let's bow our heads. I want to ask prayer tonight for God to help Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to minister truth and revelation. Lord, captivate our hearts, open our eyes, uh, make a deposit of truth and revelation that will guide us going forward. Uh, Father, we're going to ask you tonight for discernment, for wisdom, for the gift of it, uh, so that we can properly read the landscape of our lives and make appropriate decisions. Uh, And we thank you for what you're doing, and we give you praise for it uh, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, So, what is discernment? The word comes up quite often in the Bible. We live in a very confusing world. It's very hard sometimes to see with clarity and to know what to do. We have a lot of options in life. And sometimes we too easily pick the wrong option or the wrong road. And all of us struggle with this. I do uh, as a pastor, as a father, as a leader, uh, as a believer, as a Christian. uh, We all struggle with this. We don't always see things clearly. Uh, We don't always know precisely what to do. uh, And we don't make all of our decisions with confidence. We spend uh, a lot of our time second-guessing ourselves. And not only that, but we're not always equipped to make right and wise decisions and so we make a lot of mistakes in life. And this is very crucial. Our text I think communicates very broad implications. This is a very critical time of transition Uh, in the nation of Israel. King Saul has been killed in battle with the Philistines. His sons are dead. uh, And now they brought David into Hebron uh, and they're anointing him king. And so there's this transition uh, that is taking place. Uh, Saul... uh, Uh, even though he's dead, still has his loyalists. Uh, And then there are those who uh, uh, join together uh, with the new king, King David. And there's a lot of confusion uh, and uncertainty uh, in the land of Israel. And it describes the sons of Issachar uh, who had understanding of the times uh, to know what Israel ought to do. That's what I pray for. God, give me understanding uh, so that I know what to do. I pray daily. Lord, I need a clear-sounding word. Uh, for today, uh, so that I know what to do. And again, that doesn't describe all the men that came to David. This was a particular attribute assigned to the sons uh, of Issachar. Discernment decodes what's going on around you. A lot of signals, a lot of information, the appearance of things, We need clarity in the midst of that. Discernment decodes what's really going on and sees beneath the surface. Consider an example from Joshua chapter 9. Remember the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, went into the promised land. By this time they have defeated the city of Jericho. And they have defeated the city of Ai, and so their reputation now is spreading throughout the land, and the Gibeonites were very fearful of, of the children of Israel that they too would be destroyed. And so they went to Joshua, they disguised themselves as foreigners who came from a faraway country. They put on old clothes. They got moldy bread and, and uh, 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 worn out wineskins. And they went to Joshua and they said, we are from a far country and we have heard uh, uh, of you and how the Lord is with you and we want to make peace with you. And so Joshua was deceived by them He signed a treaty with them. They were actually uh, occupants uh, of the land. They were supposed to be displaced by the children of Israel. Now they couldn't do that. The treaty had to be honored. And as a matter of fact, God expected them to honor. it. And they were a thorn in their flesh for 400 years. And then when Saul took vengeance on the Gibeonites, God cursed the nation of Israel. So this was a disaster that played out for many years. And The scripture says in Joshua 9, then the men of Israel took some of the provisions of the Gibeonites, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They weren't equipped to discern what's going on here. They're looking at the surface. They're deceived. And it implies that had they ask counsel of the Lord, God would have guided them and spoken to them. They did not ask counsel of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Sometimes we can't know. We don't have enough information. We are prone to being deceived. Anyone can be deceived. On the surface, things look one way, but reality is on another level. How are you going to know? How are you going to tell? So let's look a little more precisely at what we're talking about. A definition of discernment is the ability to judge well. Perception in the absence of judgment uh, with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance uh, and understanding. Sometimes that's all we have. Yeah, experience uh, can sometimes inform how to make a right decision, but not always. We need an outside source, uh, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, prayer, uh, uh, the advice and counsel of others, uh, getting another pair of eyes on your situation. The noun discernment describes a wise way of judging between things or a particular perceptive way of seeing things. If you can understand something that's somewhat hidden or obscure, or seems uncertain. The fundamental de- uh, definition for Christian discernment uh, is a decision-making process uh, in which an, individual's make, an individual makes a discovery uh, that can lead to good, solid future action. In the process uh, of Christian spiritual discernment, God guides the individual to help them arrive at the best decision. If you describe someone, for example, as being discerning, you mean that they're able to judge which things of a particular kind are good and which are bad. And again, the problem is some people have no discernment. They're stumbling through life. They're not getting the help they need in order to make right choices and right decisions. They're functioning on their own emotions. They're functioning on misinformation or not enough information. So let's look at a couple of examples of this. First of all, Solomon. God gave Solomon, remember he asked for wisdom. God gave Solomon the ability to cut to the chase... Get to the issue at hand, because when you're either a king or a pastor or a leader of some kind and you've got to counsel people, you have to get past the emotion, you have to get past the hidden agendas that people are trying to drive, past the efforts to deceive personal biases. People have a way of shading their case in their favor, so you have to have discernment and we have the account of Solomon talking to the two harlots. They apparently were roommates. They had both gotten pregnant around the same time. They had babies and the one baby died and so both of the harlots go to Solomon uh, because uh, the harlot whose baby died uh, went and got the living baby and put it next to her uh, and claimed it as her own and uh, the mother of the other baby uh, Uh, the the mother of the dead baby took the dead baby and put it with the mother of the living baby. Uh, And so they bring this problem to Solomon and life is going to bring you such dilemmas. There are no eyewitnesses. So why did Solomon ask for this? God came to Solomon before this incident happened and said, ask me whatsoever you will and I will do it for you. And Solomon said, I need wisdom. Why did he ask for that? Because of this, problems like this that are coming to him, and he has no discernment. He has no answers. He's in over his skis, as they say. He's in over his head. He can't make decisions. He's not equipped. He can't help the people that are coming to him that are desperate. And so he's frustrated facing dilemmas that he has no answers for. And so when God came to him, this is the first thing on his mind, God, these are a great people and I have no clue how to help them. You're going to have to give me discernment. 2 Chronicles 1.10, Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours? And then he deals with these two women. And you know the story. He called for a sword. And he said, what we're going to do here is we're going to cut the living baby in half and we're going to give half to the one mother and half to the other. And then the one woman said, no, no, don't do that. She had compassion for her baby. She yearned for the child. And Solomon said, that's the mother. Give the baby to her. That's discernment. That's incredible wisdom that was deposited so that he could make a right judgment. People lie. People have agendas. People bend the truth. They communicate with prejudice. They skew the facts. They try to make you to believe something uh, that may not be totally accurate or true. You have to navigate the landmines of life, circumstances, people's agendas sometimes. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, and we all do. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Consider the Apostle Paul. Let's jump into the New Testament with this idea. Acts chapter 16. Paul is on the second missionary journey. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination or witchcraft uh, met us uh, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul uh, and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God uh, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now you might think that's a good thing. Here's a witch. She's following us. She's broadcasting what we're doing. We're proclaiming the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul became greatly annoyed with her, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So he discerned that this woman was driven by a demonic spirit. She was not repentant. She had not received Christ as her savior. She She did not forsake her witchcraft. Everybody knew her as a witch and she's connecting herself to the disciples. And after a few days of that, the apostle Paul had enough because he could see that she was not repentant and she was still bound. This is crucial in pastoring. The Bible talks about false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. The the sheep think they're a fellow sheep, but they're not. They're a wolf. Someone has to have discernment. In Acts chapter 8, that's the account of a man named Simon the sorcerer. And in this case, the Bible says he did get saved. And then, when he saw Peter laying his hands on people, and they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost, Simon the sorcerer offered to give money so that he could have that gift that whoever he laid hands on would receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter makes quite a comment and statement to him. He said, You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see... Discernment. I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Somehow he saw that in this man. It's not evident on the surface. He's a brand new convert, still has elements of his past sinful life at work. Hey, I'll give you some money. Let me have that gift as well. And Peter immediately fires on him because he has discernment and he knows what's driving this. So I want to talk to you secondly about what happens when we're not operating with discernment. Because it's not just about making a few mistakes. An absence of discernment can lead to disaster. And I think that's what we're dealing with in Afghanistan right now. And we all need to be praying for our American citizens that are behind enemy lines. There are women back there. There are children And men that are back there, and they're in a very terrifying circumstance. They can't get out. The the Taliban has control of all the roads that lead to the airport. And uh, it's a very difficult situation. We didn't see it coming. And again, you have to ask the question, why? You were warned... Signs are there. Experience should have informed you. You know, one of the problems that we deal with in our decision-making is that sometimes self-will can blind our ability to discern. We want something really bad, and we see a way to get it. And even though we have to compromise in order to get it, And even though we may be warned by someone, uh, you shouldn't have that or you shouldn't get that in this way. Self-will can override discernment. Sometimes it's not whether you do something or you want something, it's how you go about it. There's probably a much better way to go about a withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, than the one that's going on right now. Some have said that they wanted the withdrawal to happen by September 11th so we can announce on the 20th anniversary of 2011 that we are finished in Afghanistan, we're out of there and so on and so forth. Uh, Well, that may be a nice idea, but if you have to take incredible risks and force the issue and do it prematurely, uh, then it's not a good idea. You may want something. But to get it, you've got to cast discernment aside. Consider Lot, another example, and his family and his sons-in-law. The angel of the Lord goes to Lot and says, get out of this city. It's going to be destroyed for their great wickedness. The angel of the Lord told him how to get out, when to get out. Lot takes action. He senses the urgency, although at the very last minute he delayed and the angel had to get him by the hand and drag him out of the house and send him on his way but not so with his sons-in-law. His sons-in-law were not like the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. The Bible says that Lot went, Genesis 19:14 out. Uh, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking, and they were destroyed. A lack of discernment. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't register what was going on, although they had been warned by the angel of the Lord and lots of advice and counsel. They were so influenced by the wickedness of the city. They were comfortable there. They didn't want to leave. They couldn't discern what was going on, and their lives were destroyed. There's a lack of this in all of us. I have a constant need. One of my most serious prayers every day is, God, I need discernment in counseling. I need discernment in knowing what to preach. I need discernment in knowing how to lead the church and a myriad of decisions that have to be made. Con artists depend on people's lack of discernment. Bernie Madoff, I think, passed away this year, earlier this year. He's the one that conned people out of billions and billions of dollars. People trusted him. He was running a Ponzi scheme. He was not investing their money. He was just taking it, uh, spending it on a lavish lifestyle, uh, and then all the money he accumulated, if one or two or three or four came to him and needed some money, he could give it to him them, but not everyone at once. And finally, his scheme was exposed. Uh, he was convicted, uh, but he was able to uh, advance his agenda because of people's lack of discernment. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible talks about how this operates in the church church. This is the Amplified Translation. For among them are those who worm their way into homes and captivate morally weak and spiritually divorced women, dwarfed women, weighted down by the burden of their own sin, easily swayed by various impulses. Lack of discernment. Make bad decisions. Go in wrong directions. Discernment is necessary In marriage, there are some spouses, perhaps even here, you're absolutely clueless about what's going on with your wife or your husband. She's hurting, she's agonizing, she's lonely, she's feeling unloved. And if I ask you, how's the marriage? Oh, it's wonderful, pastor. You talk to the wife and ask the same question, she crumbles uh, in tears. You have no discernment about what's going on in your marriage you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to have discernment. 1 Peter 3, 7a, husbands, likewise, dwell with your wife with understanding. Discernment. Know her. Giving honor to the wife is the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may be not hindered. Is there an area where more discernment is necessary than Dating. You better be looking past the pretty face and the guy who's cute. Oh, he's so cute. I don't know where that comes from. I don't want to be described. I don't think I would be described as that, but. Is there evidence of a spiritual? You better have discernment. Is there evidence of a spiritual dimension to their life? Is he keeping his hands and lips off your body? Some women allow themselves, young ladies, allow themselves uh, to be deceived and deluded. Uh, Oh, baby, I just want to show you how much I love you. No, he wants to use your physical body to gratify his own flesh. uh, And if you marry that, you're in trouble. It's getting quiet in here. The decisions that you make as parents with your children, are going to come to roost when those children become adults? Are they going to be on fire for God? Is the likelihood that they're going to be on fire for God? Or when they were small, uh, did you compromise yourself? And that's more and more challenging today. If you're reading what's going on in our schools as a parent, you better be on it when it comes to what's going on in the schools and what they're teaching your children in the schools Uh, from everything from critical race theory uh, to uh, gender uh, uh, issues and gender confusion. They're voting now uh, in school districts Uh, to allow children as young as 6 and 7 to decide uh, they want to be a boy that day or they want to be a girl that day. They've opened up the bathrooms uh, uh, to whatever you feel you are that day. That's happening in our schools right now. You better have some discernment about where you're going to put your kids. Business decisions. Investments. Making a large purchase. Purchase. Is this the right time for it? Should we be doing this? We need discernment. God can guide us uh, when it comes to the secular type of decisions we have to make with employment and education uh, and business investments and so forth. God wants to guide you in that direction. And, you know, one of the keys here is a good motive doesn't guarantee wisdom. You can have a good motive but be misguided. There are other factors in life besides having a good motive. We think, well, if my motive is good, then I can do this, or I can go in this direction. Have you ever heard the saying, not everything is as it appears, or not everything that glitters is gold? The fact of the matter is, we are vulnerable to two things. One, deception. We're vulnerable to that. We can be lied to, we can be deceived, as Joshua was. Or, we can completely misread the landscape. We're not seeing things as we should. Because we look on the surface, and we don't always see what's actual. First John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets uh, have gone out into the world. And of course, Jesus warned uh, about deception uh, uh, in perilous times. Matthew 16, 1. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and, testing Jesus, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening hypocrites. uh, You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. That's going to be very important for all of us here. As I mentioned this morning, this is a time to be about the business uh, of the Great Commission. That should be our primary focus. Everything else uh, functioning and operating around that. This is not a time for uh, diversion and distraction. This is a time, if you're called to preach, uh, to go about the business of getting yourself ready to get sent out, it's a time to marshal our finances uh, as best as we're able to, to invest uh, in world evangelism. Uh, you, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you You cannot discern the signs of the time. And again, this was the gift of the sons of Issachar. They had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And I pray that for ourselves and for our church. And Jesus warned, watch out for deception. Luke 21, 8, and he said, take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am He.'" And the time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. So the question is, where do we get discernment from? Can we get it at this altar tonight? Can we begin to be a depository of it going forward as we pray? I think first of all, we need to be honest and we need to recognize our lack of discernment and our need for it. Discernment, when you have it operating in your life, like the case with Solomon or with the Apostle Paul or Peter, they could function with certainty and confidence. They weren't running around second-guessing themselves. Discernment will free you from unfounded fears, paranoia, and uncertainty. When God gives me discernment in a particular situation, it sets me free. God, I know what to do. I can be under stress and pressure, uh, in confusion, uh, uncertain. Uh, what's the right decision here, Lord? How do I counsel this? Uh, what's the word? Uh, but when it comes, when discernment is deposited, uh, you can then function with confidence, knowing what to do. The sons of Issachar were men of confidence who understood the times uh, and knew what Israel ought to do. Proverbs 15, I'm going to give you a flurry of Scriptures here Proverbs 15:21 Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment but a man of understanding walks uprightly without counsel plans go awry but in the multitude of counselors they are established John 8:31 Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yes, it does. Not just revelation of what a particular scripture means, but when you grasp and understand how to apply it to this situation in your life. How do I apply it to my problems, to the stresses I'm experiencing in finances? God, show me the way with this business decision. You shall know the truth, uh, and the truth shall make you free. Knowing truth, uh, having discernment, uh, gives you ability to rightly apply revelation to your situation. Isaiah 30, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, you know, life has a lot of rights and lefts, a lot of ups and downs, and sometimes it's not just right and left, it's right, 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 forward, left, 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 We've got a lot of options here. Your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When Joshua was crossing the River Jordan into the Promised Land, they'd never been this way before. They'd had 430 years of slavery in Egypt, or the vast majority of that period of time was slavery in Egypt. And now they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Now they're, they've never been this way before. How do you know exactly what to do? And so they crossed over the river Jordan. They had the ark of the tabernacle with them. The presence of God was with them. And he gave them instructions. And I was interested when I looked this up in Joshua 3, 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, meaning the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, where God's presence was, about 2,000 cubits by measure, do not come near it, uh, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You don't have to be filled with uncertainty when, you're, when life requires that you navigate in a direction you've never been before. So let me close by talking to you about the sources that are available. First of all, you have to have a heart that acknowledges your lack of discernment and that seeks and wants it. It doesn't come naturally to us necessarily. Again, experience can inform you to make wise decisions sometimes, but not always. Time and experience don't necessarily produce discernment. Proverbs 2, verse 1. The value of wisdom, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, And lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It takes an act of humility, acknowledging I don't have the discernment I need. It takes an act of desperation, crying out to God for it. I can't do my job unless God gives me discernment. I can't cut through all the minutiae and circumstances of life. It's too confusing. The landscape is too cluttered. Wisdom belongs to God, and he gives it to those who ask. Secondly, you have to put it to use. Wisdom, someone defined it as the implementing of truth and revelation into your life. And that can be painful sometimes. It can require sacrifice It may mean self-will is going to be frustrated. No, you can't do this. Uh, Discernment says no. Don't marry this guy. Discernment says sit down and talk to your wife. Find out uh, what's bothering her. Discernment says uh, not a good time to make that investment or a good time to make this investment. You have to put it to use after you cry out to God for it. Hebrews 5.14, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, is those who by reason of use uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, we can't even do that sometimes. Isaiah says that uh, one of the attributes of the last days is going to be people are going to be calling good evil uh, and evil good. uh, And sometimes we can't see that something is really bad or evil even. We need discernment. We need keen wisdom and insight from God. I love the scripture in Philippians 1. It puts it in a little bit of a different context. And it talks about the filter through which you view life, which is love. When the filter through which you view life is love, then a level of discernment can begin to operate. Discernment doesn't function where there's bitterness and anger and hatred and unforgiveness. It just doesn't. It skews discernment and you won't make right decisions. So listen carefully, I'm reading this in a different translation, Philippians 1, 9. And this I pray that your love may abound more and more, displaying itself in greater depth, in real knowledge and in practical insight, so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best, distinguishing moral differences, and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ actually living lives that lead others away from sin. So love, when you view life through a filter of love and a filter of forgiveness, this gives you discernment so you make right choices. Sometimes the discernment that you need is in the hands of others. And it's not going to be given to you personally, it's going to come through others. And so we all need to learn to listen. Some people have more discernment than you do. I know that's hard for you to grasp, but it's true. Some people may have been down the road you're going down. Some people may have an immediate answer. This is what I love about Pastor Greg Mitchell and what I loved about Pastor Mitchell was their discernment. And I remember plotting for periods of time how I'm going to communicate a problem to Pastor Mitchell Sr. before he passed away. And so I got my, my, uh, uh, my uh, uh, comments together. And so it's going to take me five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes to walk him through exactly what I'm facing. Uh, and sometimes I would get through about 30 seconds or 45 minutes, maybe up to two minutes, uh, and he'd say, Paul, I've heard enough. This is what you need to do. And Greg has that same gift that his father had, discernment. Some people have more discernment than you do. Proverbs 13, 20, He who walks with wise men will be wise, uh, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You're going to make critical decisions in your life about who you walk with. Better to walk with some wise, discerning people uh, who can speak into your life from time to time. Proverbs 18, 1, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. And sometimes people do that. They detach themselves uh, from people uh, who have discernment that can help you. And Proverbs 24, 5, for by wise counsel you'll wage war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. This is an incredible gift. And it's all around us. It's in the hands of God. It can be deposited into your life when you cry out in desperation for it. It's in the hands of others that are around us who can speak into our hearts and lives. Uh, This has to be cultivated and it has to be sought for. I think, my opinion, but the problem in Afghanistan is a lack of discernment. And look at the trouble we're in. I grieve for those people, they're over there terrified behind enemy lines as these Taliban terrorists are going crazy over there. We need to be praying for them, and we need to be praying for discernment in our own lives so that we avoid disasters that we're heading for. Let's bow our heads this evening. Thank you so much for your attention today. We've had a great day. They're going to give me the uh, slip of paper that has the council election results shortly, but as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, perhaps you've Come to church tonight and you're not saved. You're not right with God. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you really want to get your heart right tonight. You want to receive Christ as your Savior. You know you're not right. And you know you can exercise a little bit of discernment right now. Enough to say, I need to get saved. I need forgiveness of sin. I need Jesus to change me. That's discernment. I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. You know, that's some of the most powerful discernment that a a person can have when you come to the realization that, that I'm not right with God and I need to get right with God. I've messed my life up. I'm responsible for my own bad decisions and I want to come to Christ and I want to come clean and I need forgiveness and I'm ready to tell God I'm sorry. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, perhaps you've come to the service tonight and you're not right with God and you want to repent and receive Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you right now if you would allow me to pray for you. That's all I want to do, pray for you. Pray along with you so that you can receive Christ as your Savior and you can experience what we've experienced here. Hundreds and hundreds of people in this congregation have experienced the miracle of salvation. Sins forgiven. Experiencing real peace, real joy for the first time in life. Growing in Christ, becoming more like Him. That's what you have an opportunity to enter into. And if that describes you tonight, I want to ask you to allow me to pray for you. And in order to do so, I want you to do one simple thing. And that is just lift your hand up right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to repent. I'm ready to get my heart right with God in Jesus' name. Lift your hand up right now. Lift it high so that I can see it. In the name of Jesus. There has to be someone here that you're not right. There's sin. You may think you're covering it, you're hiding it. But all things are open, the Bible says, to the one to whom we must give an account. It's going to be a terrifying thing to stand before God knowing that he knows all things. We're not going to deceive him. We're not going to be able to lie or make excuses or blame anyone. We're going to be 100% accountable for who we are and what we've done in our life. You can mask your sin now. You can blame others for it. You can make yourself feel better. But one day we stand before God and it can be the greatest best day of your life. If you stand before God, having had your sins forgiven, would you lift your hand and let me pray for you, please? While every head is bowed and every eye closed. Maybe your are slidden tonight. Maybe you once gave your life to Christ, but you're not serving him. And maybe the very thing I preached on, a lack of discernment. You made some very, very poor decisions in your life because you didn't have discernment. You let self-interest, you let sinful impulses, you let your emotions guide you instead of sound judgment that comes from the Word of God and the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit. Lift your hand, let me pray for you this evening. So what are you facing in your life? What are you facing in your life where you need discernment? I can list 10 things off the top of my head that I'm facing right now where I need discernment. God, I need a clear sounding word so that I know what to do. I don't always know. So I pray and I'm desperate. God, you gotta help me. I have a crisis on my hands. Someone is in a crisis. I need to help them. I need to speak a word into their lives. God, what word? Am I correctly reading the landscape of my life right now? Because if you're not correctly reading it, you're gonna make a bad decision. Yes, amen, God bless you. I see that hand, thank you, son. We'll pray for you in just a moment. As a matter of fact, did you mean that? You raised your hand. Would you come and let us pray with you right now? Why don't you come? I need someone to come and pray. David would you lead him in a prayer? Thank you very much. So this altar is for this purpose. Discernment. You're facing a business decision, you need discernment in your marriage, you need discernment in a dating relationship. You got to watch out for self-will. You got to watch out for our vulnerability to be deceived. When I'm being deceived or some agenda is trying to drive me and the lights go on, I'm free. I'm no longer subject. That's what the scripture means. And then what about the filter through which you view life? If it's a clean filter of love and forgiveness, care for people and compassion for them. It clarifies the landscape, removes Deception. Anger will take you in a wrong direction. You have no discernment if you're driven, driven by anger. Unbelief and fear, uncertainty, those are not valid devices to guide you in life. You need to get that out of the way and view life and people and circumstances through a filter of love. So let's all stand tonight. If it's true that we all need discernment, you ought to be at this altar this evening. We're gonna sing in a moment, I want you to come. You may be facing real crisis. God is helping you tonight. You may have come to church this morning and tonight thoroughly confused and uncertain and fearful, not knowing what to do. God, how do I navigate through this mess? How, do I, what, do I, what, what word can I speak? that's gonna get me through to the other side. You need to have courage to make right decisions. Don't follow the path of self-will. You may be invested in a situation, but it's only because you haven't exercised discernment, time to pull out. Just pray, you pray, talk to God. Every circumstance, every life is different. And this is such a crucial element that we need. Oh God, help us tonight. God, give me the discernment that I need or provide the discernment I need and put it in the hands of another so I can go to them. understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. That's confidence. That's clarity. The Word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Oh God, help us all in Jesus' name. Shalarabba Oh God, I cast down everything that is distorting the landscape of our lives. Every agenda, every attitude that is not of God that operates in my life, Lord. I need cleansing and washing by the blood of Jesus. And then, Lord, I'm asking you to fill me afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me a clear-sounding word so that I know what to do, O God. O God, I need you, I praise you, I love you, I exalt you lord i'm getting rid at this altar of any filter that is distorting my perception let it be replaced by a filter of love a filter of obedience a filter of submission and goodwill your virtue god If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That's exactly what Solomon did. And God gave him the wisdom and the discernment that he need to navigate through very confusing waters, troubling circumstances. Cut to the chase, as they say. Things are not always as they appear. Everything that glitters is not gold. Pray for wisdom. Seek the counsel of others. This is why you have leaders. You have headship that's dialed in. And if he doesn't have an immediate answer, he can pray and get that answer for you in short order, I believe. And I'm praying, beloved that that scripture would apply to us in the very troubling times in which we live. The world, the desperate need of souls, the call to world evangelism. As I've been saying, it's all hands on deck, doing as much as we can, as soon as we can. This is not a season to be diverted or distracted. We need discernment so that we understand the times to know what we ought to be doing as the church of jesus christ oh god i'm praying right now for a holy ghost deposit of discernment among the saints help them oh god help all of us right now so that we can ascertain the direction that we should go and the decisions that we should make oh lord don't have so much pride that if you make a decision that lack discernment Someone can't come along and tell you so. Look, you're not using discernment here in good judgment. It's my job to tell people that sometimes. You've got a good motive, you want this, that, or the other thing, the motive isn't the problem. Problem is this decision isn't right. It's misguided. It's not in your best spiritual interests. Let's all stand, can we? And I want us to make this, as I've made it mine, I want us to make this a feature of our prayer life. As our heads are bowed right now and our eyes are closed, we're gonna make this a feature of our prayer life. Lord, give me wisdom, give me discernment, help me to read the landscape. And if I can't read it, I'm gonna go to someone who may be able to help me read it. Don't just Make it up as you go along. You can control the filter through which you view life. A lot of things you can do. You can pray for wisdom, and I believe God will always answer that prayer. One way or another, you're going to get the wisdom and the discernment you need to make righteous decisions that are in the best interests of your life, the church's best interests, your family, and your future. So we're going to ask right now, and there has to be an element of desperation here. Solomon is desperate. Let uh, Whoever lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That's what the scripture that I read from uh, the book of uh, Proverbs implies. There's, a, there's an element of desperation. Proverbs 2 the value of wisdom my son if you receive my words uh, So that you incline your ear to wisdom apply your heart to understanding. Yes uh, if you cry out for discernment That's a that's a that's a desperation God you got to help me So I want us to pray when I'm done leading you into prayer. I want you to do that very thing cry out God You got to help me in Jesus name pray this prayer God. Oh God. I come before you broken and humble Knowing that without you I can do nothing I am utterly dependent upon you So therefore God I'm asking you I'm desperately asking you to give me discernment and Wisdom so that I know what to do. I know that I'm prone to deception My anger can drive a misguided agenda Lord help me tonight View life through the filter of love and obedience and goodwill so that I can be directed as I should go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's cry out for that right now. Hallelujah. Oh, alla rabila rabba shari alla rabila rabba kori alla rabila rabbandai. Oh, alla rabila rabba shari rabila rabba kori olorobose. Oh God, I praise you and glorify you and exalt you, Lord. Shala rabba kari alla rabila rabba koriya. Ala Rabbi La Rabbi Korya, Rabbi La Rabbi Korya. Ala Rabbi La Ala to God. You know there's an element in this Uh, scripture just came to my mind. Those things that men say are impossible, they are possible with God. Discernment makes the impossible possible. When you have the guidance to make a right decision in the midst of chaos and move forward with that, things settle down over time. And that's a powerful word Those things that men say are impossible, they are possible with God. To them that believe all things are possible. And uh, the scripture also says there's nothing too hard for God. So while you're standing there, uh, I will announce uh, it's always very close. So all of these men that we've nominated for... Uh, the council have a lot of support among the brethren, uh, but the three that got the most votes are Augustine Herrera, Rene Navarro, and Juan Becerra. Congratulations to you, man! Thank you very much. Every vote counts. It's very close, so uh, thank you to all the men who allowed us to nominate them, and I know that you'll continue to support. Uh, the work of God any way that you can. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We're going to dismiss in prayer. I'm going to ask if our brother Kofi would close us in prayer. We're going to have a great week this week. Let's be in prayer in the mornings if you're able to come. Service on Wednesday, Spanish Thursday. Remember Bible studies this coming uh, Friday. Ernie has been in Mexico City with Ramon Juarez uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, this morning, and tonight. He'll be flying back tomorrow. Uh, So we're thanking God. Amen. Bowing our heads, Kofi, would you pray and thank the Lord?
1: Lord Jesus, we are so thankful to you today for speaking to us. It's been a good day. The Word has brought guidance and light for us, and we leave here blessed. We're praying your Word will attach to our hearts. Help us to live these things out so our lives we live will be pleasing to you. We thank you. amen
0: amen Amen. god bless you love one another go rejoicing be encouraged the lord bless you